0: Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead. Um, This week, we are joined by PC Gamer's global editor-in-chief, Evan Lottie. Welcome back. Good to be here. And uh, PC Gamer's online editor, Fraser Brown. Hello. You know him, you love him. Um, I am former (laughs) PC Gamer intern, Len Hafer, and I'll be your host for this week. And uh, we're talking about Marvel's Midnight Suns uh, from Firaxis, from the XCOM team specifically at Firaxis. It's a tactical card battle RPG thing. Um, Evan, yeah, Evan, how would you describe Midnight Suns to like somebody who's never seen it before?
1: So, and I'm sure we'll get into this more deeply and its influences because its influences are many. But I've been comparing it to a Mass Effect game in terms of the non-combat experience, there really isn't a good comparison in terms of its combat, right? Because it's sort of got the movement stuff and and the perspective of an XCOM a little bit, but it's obviously very different. I mean, I haven't played a action card game in this form before. So it's quite unique. It's a hybrid of a few different things. And you know, I think Persona is one of them, as well as Fire Fire Emblem. But I've yeah, played those games it's just kind of sort of what I've heard. So, yeah, it, it's interesting how um you know to feel the way that Praxis has been paying attention to these different studios and influences uh to feel it so prominently in this game. Yeah,
0: I definitely see the Mass Effect comparison and um it's 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 weird cuz the the two sides of it are are fairly disconnected like uh, they're very different games like you're not mm-hmm. you know y- you've got like this 3d like uh bioware-esque running around the abbey in the forest but then you're not gonna like you're not gonna find monsters out there to fight usually you you have like that discreet mission table that's gonna take you or in some cases a magical portal will take you to somewhere that you have a fight um where it's Initially, I was not like super thrilled with the level design because the thing from XCOM it's missing is the feeling of progressing through a level. And there's like no mm-hmm. height levels. It's always just kind of like a, a flat uh rectangle that you're fighting on. Um, but I found that I came to mind that a lot less, the more of it that I played too. Um where, you know, it that. They do some interesting things to make these battlefields feel really interesting. Um, But it is, it is strange that it it does feel like they just have two different games that they've kind of stapled together. I don't know, Fraser, if you felt the same way about that.
2: Like they're obviously two very discreet layers, but I actually thought that they merged together really well. Like everything that I was doing in the Abbey, befriending people, going out on dates, uh, getting blade into little swimming trunks okay maybe not the last one maybe that was just for me but everything else was like effect or affected the uh, the combat portion like you get passive bonuses um maybe sparring with someone will make them more powerful in the next battle and the closer you get to your team uh, the more abilities that you get you get all these really cool combo uh cards that you can use with specific heroes and they can be like devastatingly powerful and come with a lot of really cool secondary uh, effects as well. So I always felt like even when I was just mucking around in the abbey socializing, I was like making my team more powerful so the next battle we'd be kicking a lot of demonic ass.
1: Yeah, this is squarely a game about friendship, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that
1: is the I, th- I think the core theme. And, and there's some of the kind of, um, you know, bad parenting and and like found family as a theme, right? That mm-hmm. really sort of settles in around the end of the second act or third act. And through your conversations with Nico and Magic in particular, who are sort of orphans of a certain kind. So I thought that was pretty neat. I mean, yeah, in one sense, <clears throat> I don't know, I've heard some interesting discussions about like people speculating that maybe romance might have been in- included or intended at one time. There's sort of some hints at that. But certainly you, you can't have sex with any of these like Marvel licensed characters, which isn't right. too surprising. But it's but it's been interesting because I, I asked um, you know, Jake Solomon, the creative director, and I think also IGN sent him a similar question. And I, he I actually that,
0: wrote all of those questions too. So. Oh, <laughs>
1: wonderful. <laughs> so, so so you yeah. you'll know then that like they claim they had lots of freedom from Marvel. And actually Marvel approached them to make the game, which I think was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, it, it does seem, I mean, the the impression I got when I was at the preview event, the very first preview event, like hands on earlier this year, is that maybe it was something that they wanted to do, but they either Marvel said no, or they were afraid that, the, you know, they just, they didn't want to ask because they knew that the answer was going to be no or something. Um, but Yeah, it's, it is, it does turn out to be like, you know, you end up becoming BFFs with all these, different Marvel characters they've got sort of they're sort of you know divided into the two groups where the Midnight Suns are these sort of lesser known characters like Nico from the Runaways and uh, Blade and uh, Magic and then you have some Avengers thrown in there which I sort of joke that it's really a game about the Midnight Suns and then they put like Iron Man and you know Captain Marvel and Captain America in there you know to to get the people who don't know about the, you know, mystic side of Marvel. That's like their 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 bait for you to. Yeah, come on, we got Captain America. This is actually a game about uh Ileana Rasputin. Don't worry about it. But, you know, we're we're going to draw them in with Tony Stark. um I did think that all of the characters pretty much like the characterization is pretty spot on. I'd say like 90 percent of the time. Um, I love their take on Tony Stark, especially because he's not Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark, but he is so, like, perfectly in that slot of, like, this is what I want from a Tony Stark. Um, I hate him so
2: much. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. He is hateable, but he is. This is is great. Like, I want to hate characters. I don't, like, and at the same time, we had these, like, breakthroughs and emotional highs. It was, like, I actually felt, like. We developed this realistic, um, not quite friendship, but relationship uh, by the end, and it all felt really cohesive. Um, so, me hating him is not a complaint. Like, I love to have characters I hate. Um, and, like, everyone has a role. I really loved that the Avengers were in it, actually, because they created this fun family dynamic where you've got the boomers. And you've got the sort of yeah. millennial, Gen Z kind of characters. And they clash in these uh, kind of cliched ways, I guess, in, in terms of like a family sitcom. But that yeah. felt so much funnier when it's recontextualized as a bunch of superheroes um, and antiheroes. It, it felt like very novel, even though we were going over a lot of like quite familiar story beats. Like, I I love that Captain America and Captain Marvel eventually... Sort of feel like the parents of the group. They're the most boring characters by far. But I love them to bits because they're the sensible mum and dad that sort of like let everyone just fight it out and then kind of have a quiet conversation with you to try and fix things and ease some tension. I loved it. They're a bunch of squares, but they're great.
1: Yeah, I think they picked a good group because I mean, they have a pretty big roster to pull from here. I think it was pretty deliberate who they put in the Abbey together. Um, I mean, you get the interesting dynamic between Tony and Doctor Strange, which is, like, pretty well established through, you know, films mm-hmm. and comics at this point. But it, it's it's science versus magic, right? And but they're on this incredibly, you know, they're literally, like, in a pocket dimension, basically. Yeah. You know, in a, ma- a magical floating abbey from, like, the Salem Witch Trials. So, you know, Tony Stark is continually referring to the fact that he's uncomfortable, he's out of his element. There's this really cute moment where he starts to, like, want to learn about magic, and he's in the library. Uh, You're like sort of teaching him the basics and stuff like that, which is a cool little plot line. So yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, it's not easy to recast these characters, you know, like literally to put new voices behind them in some cases, although we've heard uh, Steve Blum, for example, as Wolverine for many, many years. So that was well established. But, you know, mixing them all together, getting them right, saying something new about them. And this game has so much dialogue. Like I I really, like, I genuinely do not believe I have encountered more dialogue in a video game, and it's possible like i played games with more total dialogue that I haven't like completely encountered. You know what I mean? But because much of it is, you know, like look, you don't have to pursue friendships with every character, but it's pretty linear and it's just kind of sitting there in front of you, right? Like you're not choosing between A or B. You can do A, B, C, and D, you know, and so on. I think there's 13 total characters, including the hunters. So it's a ton of stuff. I mean, it's hours and hours. It felt like 40% of the game to me. I'm, I'm curious how it felt to you guys in terms of the ratio.
0: It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Cause you even have like, as you're walking around the Abbey, you can stop and like, listen to like Logan and caretaker have like a two minute conversation about like some adventure they went on uh, when they were younger. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dialogue. I don't even know if it's possible to do all of it in one playthrough. Um, obviously because, I mean, it takes a long time to max out everybody's friendship track. But the other thing that makes me think that is when I got Doctor Strange to level three, his like level three friendship conversation was referencing a major event that had just happened in the game. And I remember being really impressed by that. And I'm not sure if it's just, oh, this Mm -hmm. conversation can't happen until that event has happened, or if there's like a separate friendship conversation for that level based on whether you've done X yet or not, which would be pretty impressive. Um, I'd be curious to go back and and try and test that. Um, Yeah, I've I've really liked the writing for the most part. The I mean, Jake Solomon sort of described it as as like Saturday morning cartoon style, which kind of sort of clashes a little bit with some of the dark supernatural stuff sometimes i thought like this is definitely a game you could give to like you know your 12 year old niece or nephew and there's nothing in there that's gonna be like you know you're gonna get a call from their mom about why did you give them this game um it's it's very kind of like all ages friendly while still having all this like end of the world there's demons and stuff going on um i think the the, the the darkest thing so far has been Wolverine talking about the time that Hulk ripped him in half and threw his oh, legs yeah. up on him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh but he doesn't go into too much like gory detail with it. Um I don't know, Fraser, did you feel like the tonality was was where you wanted it to be?
2: It's very much like a comic book. Comic books always have this thing where they're for everyone, uh for the most part, you know, like Marvel comics. Um Aside from the occasional, like, I think there was the Max line, which was overtly for uh, adults, everything needs to be accessible to kids, uh, while at the same time providing interesting stories that people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s could still uh, find fascinating. Um, So it does sometimes lurch between, like, childish and sometimes occasionally gruesome, and then there are some mature conversations uh, and I thought that the game had all of that. Uh, so it, it sometimes feels weird uh, to see this outside of a comic, uh, but it definitely nailed what it was trying to do. Uh, and I sort of went into it, like the moment I started seeing it all come together, I was like, this is going to feel just like a comic. Uh, so I actually really enjoyed the tone. I, I felt prepared for it.
0: Yeah, uh, there, there, uh, go
2: for it.
1: Thanks. <clears throat> the other thing that occurs to me is, Playing as a female protagonist, I'm not sure which uh, character you guys played with for the hunter, which like Mass Effect can be either be male or female. Um, it's a game about women. Like women yeah. are so prominent, especially when you're playing as one. So you've got Lilith, who is sort of the big bad throughout the game. It's your evil mom essentially, who kind of betrayed you or got cursed, so to speak. There's the caretaker, who's sort of caring for the grounds of the abbey that you're. You know, it's basically the Normandy, uh, the ship that you're flying around in um and she's sort of the scolding you know hyper protective uh foster mom or whatever and agatha who's like your ghost aunt right who had <laughs> recently died i guess and you know that, that's a whole storyline and then even there's you know nico and magic and scarlet which i would say are more important party members in terms of the story and, and their roles as it pertains to magic and stuff so mm-hmm. like i don't know if i've ever played a game that features six or seven women like so prominently like that you know what i mean
0: yeah i did play as the the female hunter as well and i that, those were that was like my team was like magic and nico and eventually wanda were like you know although i i do kind of think like wanda's combat wise might be one of the weaker characters i wish they would do oh, yeah. some, some more things to give her maybe some free movement so she can actually use her abilities more effectively um yeah, I, I really like that. I really like that, you know, they'll take a character like Doctor Strange, the, the sorcerer supreme, and then kind of make his arc about, you know, I maybe I wasn't right about everything and kind of losing faith in himself. And, you know, Tony Stark is a very conflicted character who goes through a couple different sort of breakdowns <laughs> throughout his arc. And it is kind of the yeah, the women of the Abbey who are. Sort of directing things, even on the Avengers side, I feel like Carol Danvers is sort of the one who has her head screwed on straight (laughs) for the most part. Um, So, yeah, I I really like that. I really like the dynamics between those characters. um, And I really liked how they took some of the traditional leaders and, you know, gave them roles where, you know, this is this is somebody who has lost their way and uh, and you kind of need to show them the way back again.
2: Even playing as a fella, it still feels like uh very much a game about women uh as a male hunter, you are you're completely shaped by the women in your life um far more than than men like you you don't have any you don't know your dad um so like it's all of these kind of you've got a lot of maternal influences, but then you've also got in the actual midnight suns, I feel it does nudge you towards friendships with magic Nico. Scarlet, witch more, because they're the the core, most important members of the team, uh so yeah, even as a guy, it definitely feels like it's aiming that way uh and definitely for the for the next playthrough, which is inevitable. I'm definitely going to be playing it again, uh I will definitely try uh, a lady hunter I yeah, guess for
1: even, sure. even violence against women is like a very small theme in this sort of uh you know slight puzzle and. Item finding work that you're doing around the Abbey. Like if you remember, there's there's actually like a tree where they lynched, I guess, the uh, the witches of Salem. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Salem uh,
2: stuff is very dark.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so maybe maybe not Wolverine uh, being torn in half, but maybe that actually because yeah, they're like yeah. literally <laughs> like spots of blood you have to like find on the ground and like gather up so to speak. I mean, it doesn't really depict it, but um, anyway, I, I thought that was interesting. I'm I'm not really I'm a comic book fan and collector. I may I mainly. Uh, follow dc stuff but i was like much less familiar with this team i mean you know partly because like they haven't had a lot of comic runs you know and it's mainly like Ghost Rider. i think is is one of the prominent midnight sun's characters and actually as comics it's spelled s-o-n-s they've kind of taken it in a different mm-hmm. direction here but um yeah it, it was interesting to connect with these characters and, and that was part of the fun experience to me that like i came away with this like really liking magic and like her backstory and Oh, she's colossus's sister she's an x-man and, and you know like marvel in particular loves to kind of pass these characters between teams throughout their arcs and they sort of change and develop so it was just sort of fun to come away with you know becoming a fan of new characters and wanting to find out more about them wanting to go back and buy some of their runs and you know kind of learn how they started and originated
0: yeah i went and picked up runaways based on playing the preview build for this game because I didn't really know much about Nico. Uh, and then she was just so cool <laughs> in Midnight Suns that I was like, all right, I, I need to, I need more of this story. Um, did, uh, did either of you have, I know Fraser, you said you hated Tony Stark, but I want to know who everyone's like favorite and least favorite character at the Abbey is.
2: <laughs> so yeah, Tony would be my least favorite, although I wouldn't, <laughs> I would not replace him. You know, like he is he is necessary. Um, Favorite is so, so difficult. Um, Probably magic. Uh, She's just an absolute badass. She's the queen of of limbo and a mutant. uh, And she wields a badass sword and kicks people through portals. She's fun to play with as well. All her stuff is about teleporting and creating portals, pushing people through it and then into other people. Uh and you can even summon like an extra uh character, an extra hero for a few turns, uh by just portaling them in as well, which is awesome. So just across the board she is so much fun. Uh but Blade and Nico uh are also pretty pretty badass. Yeah, I found
1: anyway, Nico yeah. to be I found Nico to be the most effective in combat, other than the Hunter. I mean, the Hunter is like an insanely overpowered character, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like deliberately so, like has the most cards in the game, you know, highest damage ceiling, can, all the, you know, can heal and deal damage simultaneously, all this stuff. And i like, that's very deliberate. Character's supposed to feel powerful. And actually, we should talk about that as it pertains to the combat design. But Nico, like that Witchfire ability was really fun for me. Like a lot of her mechanics revolve around randomness, like this literal mechanic called uh, Roulette, that kind of, applies different keywords or, you know, so for example, Witchfire, it it attacks an enemy for high damage, and if it kills them, knocks them out, it will then continue that until you know, you don't KO somebody. So it's a potential for like four KOs in a row, which can be really valuable, especially kind of mid to late game, where you have all these enemies that are replicating each other over and over again in a way that's pretty frustrating. So in, in terms of combat, Nico definitely up there is, is kind of um you know the atom bomb that i put on the field but i think blade in general is just such an amazing <laughs> character I, I you know I, I think this is where the saturday morning cartoonness really shows for me in him because he's a vampire he's arguably the darkest character on paper and yet he's the one who forms a book club <laughs> right yeah blade, um,
2: is, blade he, is awesome
1: yeah
2: the, the reason and my, he, he forms he, it though is what's <laughs> amazing right
1: <laughs> yeah and and so like relatable and cool and like high school you know what i mean so <laughs> i just love sort of seeing that side of blade i haven't read any blade comics you know of course we've all seen the some of the wesley snipes movies which are great but um yeah i i thought that was really well handled he sort of re- reveals himself as a total nerd right and i think yeah what is the the, the first book in the, the book club uh you know relevant to the audience of this podcast is uh, art of war yep which is like I- exactly the like you know what the high school history nerd would pick i think that you know that's the book they find cool and fascinating and it's like public domain of course they can put yeah. it in a game like this but
0: yeah i love that like the, the everybody at the abbey eventually breaks off into like one of these three clubs and the first one is it's literally called the emo kids but it's like the <laughs> goths, it's the weirdos basically and then you have the nerds and then they go off to the to tinker with you know technology and stuff um and then it's it's very clear that the team members that don't have a club yet are the jocks. Like, it's very obvious. It's Captain Marvel. It's it's Steve Rogers. It's Blade and eventually Logan. And then instead of like, you know, starting like, you know, a weightlifting club or something, they start a book club, <laughs> which I just thought was a hilarious sort of subversion of expectations there.
2: The conversations they have about books are so high school as well. Yeah. it's it's just beautiful cringe Uh, i don't even want
0: to spoil but like the book wolverine picks is (laughs) that was that was one of the best the best conversations i thought (laughs) in the game um yeah uh so we've talked a little bit about like who these these characters are as people um i think we'll we'll get we'll dig more into the combat but i did kind of want to get both of your takes on sort of the hunter As a character, since this is something that I don't think a Marvel game has ever really done before, where we have a a voiced protagonist who is an an original character. It's it's pretty much exactly like a fan fiction OC that, like, you know, is going to hang out with the Marvel characters that has a voice and a style and kind of a a distinct vibe to them um, that I ended up really liking. Um, But yeah. Fraser, how did you feel about this character?
2: Yeah, they're a really interesting protagonist, uh, which I was surprised by. Uh, You're definitely not the sort of blank slate that you get in a lot of RPGs. You have hundreds of years of history, technically. Um, And you've got all these uh, family connections to the crisis that's going on. You're like at its center. Uh, But at the same time, you are still... Playing a character that you shape and that is often a sounding board for other characters it's in the middle ground i i guess it's a little bit like Geralt, actually um you know you have this identifiable personality there that you can tweak and shape but they're n- you're not going to turn Geralt into some psychotic serial killer or like the worst asshole around he's always going to be Geralt, and i think that's the way with a hunter as well you can make them a little bit darker, a little bit edgier, or very sweet and nurturing, but it, ultimately they still feel like this cohesive character who's gone through a lot of trauma, who sometimes has conflicting feelings about how they should deal with their demonic mother. Uh, I just, I love the arc that they go through. I because you've, you're just near the end, aren't you, Len?
0: Yeah, I think I'm. I'm on like the third or second to last story mission
2: yeah well this this growth just and and the themes of, of family and friendship really do carry on just right up until the very last moments of the game uh and i yeah i just really connected with with the hunter as a character which was very unexpected because when i first started playing i was not impressed i was like what is this like weird i'm an old knight speaking weirdo with his armor uh, just trying to chat up blade i just did not gel with the character immediately but then as you have these conversations and develop these relationships you start to learn more about you as the hunter and what you went through before you fought your mother the first time around 300 years ago um and yeah i just ended up being very happy where they where they took that character yeah,
1: at the outset, I think I had similar concerns as you, Fraser. I mean, this is a resurrected savior figure who has demons in them. And I think, you know, those archetypes have existed in other video games and fiction in so many ways. And I was just worried about it really being too generic. And, you know, I think at the outset, there's a lot of um, kind of fish out of water dialogue, right? Of like, oh, I'm a hunter. I don't understand cell phones because i'm from the 17th century and you know they have some fun with that in a way that's like pretty predictable but ultimately like it, it just, it's just something sort of clicked and the hunter like is embraced by the other characters they fit in you know they're, they're sort of cracking the same contemporary jokes and and somehow that just worked for me and they seemed comfortable and and like they fit in and, and like sort of loving and compassionate is kind of because i you know i didn't make a ton of dark uh morality choices, I guess. And it like you were saying, Fraser, doesn't feel like you can really swing too hard toward darkness. I think there was only one major story choice that granted me negative 10 darkness points or whatever it was. Um, you know, otherwise it's all plus one or minus one throughout the game, I think. So, you know, it didn't feel like I had a lot of uh, you know, I, I just couldn't make big swings of that that spectrum, which was fine. I mean, you know, this is ultimately a game about um you know, the team and the group, and I I didn't expect it to branch or deviate too much in that way. But, you know, ultimately I was happy where it ended up. I think a lot of it with the hunter comes down to the kind of relationship decisions you make between your, your mother figures, right? You know, do you admonish the caretaker when she's overprotective? Do you support Agatha as she's sort of snooping around the grounds and trying to uncover secrets and magic and stuff like that? You know, sort of the decisions you make there are kind of the most reflective of who you are as a person, I think.
0: Yeah, and it's very much like there is a light and a dark, but and I ended up basically almost right in the middle by the end of the game or by where I am now. We'll see what happens at the end. Um, But it is it definitely is not like Knights of the Old Republic, dark side, light side, where it's, you know, uh, give the give the puppy a treat or, you know, throw the puppy in a well. (laughs) It's like, no matter what, the hunter is a hero who wants to save the world and is going to be proactive about, you know, saving the world. Uh, the light versus dark is more sort of. Are you going to be like a traditional, like a Steve Rogers, like hope and justice sort of hero? Or are you going to be um, sort of more like magic, which is this character that is like, you know. I. I. I have a dark past and my past kind of defines me, but it also makes me stronger. And, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to use the weapons of our enemy against them and, you know, do what do what it takes to win, which I thought was I kind of rolled my eyes at first when I saw that there was a light dark meter, because that's just such like a like a 2004 RPG thing to me at this point. Um, but it ended up having a lot more nuance than it usually does. And I I liked that I could kind of walk that line. And there are certain characters, like Nico, where you're not going to make friends with her by always choosing light or always choosing dark. Like She has kind of her own code that's also somewhere in the middle. And sometimes she likes light options, and sometimes she likes dark options. And you just kind of have to uh, think about it in, in a more nuanced way, which was really cool.
2: Sorry, I've had to let my dog into the room because he was barking at another dog out the window oh, no. and being very loud. Cosmo, I'm busy. I'm talking about superheroes.
0: Yeah, well, you, <laughs> you you have to pet the dog in Midnight Suns. It's not even just something you can do. This is it true, Charlie affects, the Hellhound. It affects yeah. gameplay whether or not you pet the dog every day. So When you have cat, a dog about the, the
2: barks whenever they hear another dog having a a game mechanic where you pet the dog and it barks at you sucks (laughs) because the moment charlie started barking cosmo started barking uh it was just this vicious cycle
0: (laughs) my my dog's 15 so she'll just like look up and be like is there a dog in here Ah, i'm not worried about it you got this um yeah Um, So let's talk about the combat a little bit, though, Uh, because it's it's sort of an interesting deck builder archetype where, uh, you know, you start off with cards that are generally for most characters are like pretty bad cards. Um, (laughs) I think Captain Marvel, like Captain Marvel really shines in the first 10 hours because her starting cards are actually good and everyone else kind of needs to find better cards Uh, and you collect them, you upgrade them by getting duplicate copies. And then eventually you can add modifiers or find versions of them that have like an extra modifier on it. Um, And uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a little bit vexing at first, like just kind of getting my mind in the right set to understand like what what is progression in this game. Because for a lot of characters, it just ends up being like, I need to throw out all of these starting cards because they're not very good, and just find better ones.
2: Sorry, I'm just hiding Cosmo under a table. Get under there. <laughs> there we go. Um This is where he sleeps. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I adored the actual the combat eventually, but like you at the start, I, I, I wasn't really sure um, if I was really going to be into it, I, I find it quite easy um, and a little bit basic at first. And, you know, coming from from XCOM, uh, I, I was a little bit worried. Uh, but then something just clicked. I think really where it clicked was when I got the ability, um, I think it's a, one that you research, possibly, where bumping, like you can just, uh, when you move... If you bump into a character, basically, you can push them. You can knock them back. Yeah,
0: that's clutch. That's like two free kills every turn. Exactly. And <laughs> then you, so you're
2: basically just like, right, suddenly move really matters because then you can move next to a character, push them into another one, and you've maybe killed two because you have these sort of minion level enemies that uh, just don't, they, the moment they take damage, they're done. Uh, which or, really makes you feel like a superhero. Uh, or you can so push you, them
0: into an explosive and you might get like three kills and still have all of yes, your bird plays left. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. When you start putting the environmental elements into it, it really yeah, it really comes together. Uh, and then I started getting the very cool cards and you start seeing really exciting synergies. Um like one of my favorite early to mid-game uh cards was I I'm trying to remember trying to remember the name but it was one basically it does a fair amount of damage but it does a lot of damage if uh the character the enemy is stunned or bound uh you know can't move Uh, and i got a through a story thing that i won't spoil i got the ability to bind people uh as hunter um so that just became like my go-to move or playing with spider-man who can use webbing to, to bind people as well so you start then picking characters you know have cards that are going to benefit hunter or benefit another character and that's how you start building your rosters your, your load out really um and a lot of the time it's maybe based on the objective that you're going to deal with like you don't necessarily want the same characters when you're trying to steal stuff out of a van uh compared to one where you're just beating a few people up like the objectives do change the sort of hero that you might want to take with you.
1: You can really see how they approached it in terms of uniting theme with mechanics, right? Because it's a game about superheroes. OK, so you, so people who are very powerful and pairing against them as enemies at the outset of the game is Hydra, an enemy that is endless, you know, endless in its hordes and it's constantly sending in more and more and more, you know, of its many heads basically to fight you. And literally on you know the game space, you know new reinforcements arrive every turn basically all the time, and missions can go on inevitably, you know unendingly uh, until you complete the objective. Um, And then within that, like you know the design of each character's card set basically, you know I think each character has probably about 15 or 16 cards or something that they can unlock total with their, their starting set. You know they have their own. Thematic ideas behind them. You know, Iron Man is is very like individualistic and sort of egotistical almost in his design. Yeah. You know, he he wants to use redraws, which are another kind of resource, basically like discarding a card and re- redrawing a new one. He can use those on his own cards to enhance them. And of course, Captain America is like very defensive, protective. You know, blocking on behalf of his friends and stuff like that. Spider Man is all about the environment and moving around and and. Knocking people around, so you know I, I think they've done a good job of representing it. Because if if you were to sort of just directly apply XCOM's ideas to these characters, it wouldn't work, right? You don't you don't want to move Spider-Man seven tiles on a board and then like have him fire his web gun, <laughs> you know? Like how <laughs> does that work? What does that look like? You know, the, the combat in Midnight Suns is an unbelievably percussive and physical. You know, you're just knocking people around left and right, and there's there are actually like A lot of systems in the games. I I, like. I I would argue that many of the systems are very underexplained. Like the fact that Mm -hmm. you could shove somebody, the the maneuver you guys were describing, it is sort of like a single tooltip you get at one point. But I I didn't really understand until like well after I unlocked it, like how to do it, how to like activate that special icon uh, on on your like movement cursor or whatever. So yeah, yeah. There's there is like an amount of depth there that does get unraveled and, and kind of revealed over time, which I, I grew to enjoy, you know, the fact that um, I can use really any like attack ability to kind of reposition my hero out of danger, right? Um, the fact that I have to really be pretty deliberate about when I spend those explosives or environmental objects um, on the board and, and so that they don't get used against me, you know, because certain, certain enemies can knock you into them and destroy them. So you know, as much as it's like, there are some simplifications. It's not like very granular in the way that XCOM is. You know, you're not working with like, like you don't never really think about hit points too hard, for example. Um And there are like some very binary elements to the combat. Like, it's very satisfying. It, it's animated beautifully. The game is pretty gorgeous, I would say. It's it's definitely got the kind of XCOM polish to it that, you know, is nice to see.
0: Yeah, it's... uh it's I kind of lost my train of thought of what I was gonna say there i was I was gonna mention partly how it almost like starts to take on some mmo elements later on um like some of the later fights I feel like it it makes sense to bring like a a tank a damage dealer, and a support character, which like to its credit, you can bring any three heroes and kind of clear a mission it's it's possible, but uh I noticed especially on some of the later missions, I was like, okay, I need to have either Captain Marvel, Wolverine or Captain America with me because they each kind of have their own way to taunt a bunch of enemies and then with Captain Marvel and Captain America they can they have this abilities that give them a bunch of block which is like a shield that sits on top of your hit points um and with Wolverine it's like he'll just take like 900 damage and then get it all back with like life steal and and healing factor the next turn um which is always a lot of fun uh I do remember what I was going to say. It's that the, this is where it actually feels a lot like XCOM to me, because at least in terms of, you know, at a glance, it looks, you know, this is this is quite a different game from XCOM. But where I can really get that for Axis DNA is that much like XCOM, you're, I at least spend a lot of time at the start of every turn just kind of looking around and trying to construct a turn in my head, which is also what I do in XCOM, where it it benefits you to not just go, Oh, well, I could kill this guy and then I could kill this guy and then I could kill this guy, but rather think about how can I use everything that is currently at my disposal to clear off as much of the board as possible, you know, with the cards I have in my hand right now, Um, which is I found really engaging, especially with, you know, the randomness element of you you might you might not draw blade storm. You might not draw that one really good ability that just lets you kill everybody in one shot. (laughs) So you kind of have to uh, even if you're on the same type of mission that you've seen 10 times with the same types of enemies you've seen 10 times with the same group of heroes that you've already done this before, you might just draw different cards in a different order and have to do it completely differently.
2: If you remember to pack enough stuff, uh, enough items that let you re- uh, like, redraw cards, you will always be able to find Bladestorm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay, so here's, here's the interesting thing. I have not bumped the difficulty up at all. I'm still on like the default difficulty, mm. but I've mm. never used items except when the game forces me to. I've been, that's basically been my way of adjusting the difficulty to my preference is like, I'm just not going to use combat items.
2: Oh, I, I love them so much. Cause I, like at higher difficulties, they do become kind of necessary. Yeah. Um, and, but it's also just fun to play around with. Like blade is, is one of my favorite, uh, characters, both in the social and the combat side of things. Um, and his, his, his whole thing is, is bleed. He causes yeah. a, a lot of bleed damage. He's got a card as well that, um, immediately gives you a couple more cards and the end basically gives them all bleed uh so he's very bleed heavy but you've also got um ways to give other characters like bleed and lifesteal and all these different abilities so you're sort of you can create your own little army of blades or you're kind of you're almost like multi specking characters with some of these little little extra bits you can give them uh it's, it's a lot of fun uh and you mentioned the, the kind of xcom comparison earlier about um planning your kind of your your full turn uh, the thing that's different in in midnight suns is you see all of your threats i mean there're sometimes waves of enemies but every enemy that is currently a threat to you is there you see every every tool that is at your disposal is is right in front of you uh, so you can construct everything to the point where you can you know that you can polish this mission off in like two rounds from the moment you get there you know exactly what you need to do there are certain random elements like you're not always going to know what um what ability an enemy is going to use but you know who they're going to attack because there's an icon there showing you that so it's just the degree to which you can plan is so precise it actually feels almost like more like a puzzle game than a tactical game like you're trying to solve the puzzle of how to kill everyone or solve the objective in as few rounds as possible. And when you get hit that sweet spot and you finish a mission in one round and take no damage, it's it's a thing of beauty. Uh, yeah. It is very empowering.
1: I mean, I compare to Into the Breach in that way, in, in the way that you just brought up, Fraser. Like definitely, the, yeah. The information is laid out transparently. You know you you know per enemy who's going to be attacked, right? So you have a a pretty good sense of who's in danger and whatnot. And, um, you know, like that game, our, our, our 2018 game of the year, you're limited to three moves, essentially, all time. So your you're, kind of possibility space is deliberately hemmed in to make it easier. So it kind of, in practice, felt like doing a very long, like, basic arithmetic problem, you know, like, <laughs> looking for efficiencies, looking for kind of two birds with one stone scenarios. Okay, what if this character ends their turn in this location and I can set up this on the next turn, right? Um, it, it's not the most complex strategy game you'll play, but I, I think again, it the, the satisfaction comes from those big payoffs. You know, knocking characters off the board is a really fun mechanic. I actually I would have liked this to have been a, a bigger mechanic in terms of level design and whatnot. Um, it, again, this is yet another thing that kind of gets under introduced partway through the game. You can ring out characters, including like heavy enemies just by sort of pushing them with certain abilities off an edge uh, of the board. Or sometimes there's like little pits that like characters like Ghost Rider can form. And this turns out to be extremely powerful because you can basically, you know, have a 50% chance or a 30% chance to eliminate a really significant enemy. And it feels super fun. There's this like great animation where they're like teetering, you know, off off the board. And are, are they going to fall or aren't, aren't they? The uncertainty, you're feeling that. It's
2: genuine so, yeah. edge of your seat stuff, isn't it? Like if you see one of those big shield bearing demons about to fall over, because oh, yeah. you know you're not going to get that that guy down very quickly. If he just tears, then he falls. I just want to cheer. It's a beautiful thing.
1: And the <laughs> enemy design, the enemy design is very XCOM. I mean, the the Lilin, as I guess they're called, they're sort of the demonic enemies of you know of Lilith that she's spawning into the world, I guess. And you know, some of them look a little like Sectoids, uh, the ones that uh. Replicate other enemies, but they they prompt they do prompt like interesting decisions, right? Because it really matters when you attack them, and you want to prioritize these enemies because, as we said earlier, reinforcements are basically coming in every turn, and some of the reinforcements can be pretty disruptive. It'll occasionally throw a higher level enemy in there, but you know the the shield bearer uh, Lilin that you were talking about, Fraser, they are eating their health to form block, which is like an overshield you know to protect an enemy or an objective right so in theory you want them to just be eating block eating their own health bar every turn like a pretty significant chunk of it and just like let that happen they're damaging themselves basically and then you you know jump in later to knock them out or something but there's different ways of approaching it right you can just focus them down to kind of get at the objective underneath them and direct all of your actions all your heroes at them or you can try and sweep up all the minions right which are still being replenished but if you keep them off the board maybe you can you know Limit the damage to yourself each turn. So I, I found the the challenge of prioritization, which is often the case in these kind of tactical games, an interesting one. Right? You have um the what are they called? The sort of scythe spinning uh, mother. Oh, the nest or, mothers. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, nest mothers. Yeah. So yeah, they're they always
2: protected by those guys, those shield guys.
1: Yeah, I found them to be one of the most interesting characters because they spawn these. There's like a level one totem that you can just hit to deal damage sort of transferred to the um nest mother. They spawn like maybe six of them at a time. But then they can upgrade those like little, you know, rock piles basically, <laughs> uh, to like ones that grant certain status effects, like they grant block to the enemies, or they'll, you know, healing or something like that. So then they become higher, higher threats to you at higher priorities. So it's always sort of, you know, kind of shifting the balance of what to focus on and you're sort of having to balance the short-term with the long-term, which I think is a sign of a good strategy game of this type.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about my most hated character in midnight suns, which is the little splitter guys. (laughs) Um, It's sort of like the, the the new gimmick that they throw at you. Each act sort of has a new gimmick. Uh, And act three is, is these guys that like, if you do any amount of damage to them, that doesn't kill them. They split into two and one of them runs really far away, right away. So you can't hit him with an area attack. And they also just have an ability where they can target one of their allies and split them into two. Um, And it divides the health evenly between the two split versions. But I had a couple of nightmare missions where I just ended up with like, 14 of those guys on the field <laughs> um it's where witchfire comes in really clutch because you can just like boom yes. boom 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 and then Spider-Man can do his chain attack and you know wolverine can do his chain attack but um yeah it was it was uh it's definitely um there there's an escalation to the trickiness of the problems that they're going to throw at you uh versus, you know, Act One, you're mostly just fighting Hydra, and it's pretty straightforward. Act two, they bring in the Lilin. Act three, you have a lot of missions where they're mixing like the human Hydra guys and the Lilin into the same battle, uh, which creates some, you know, puzzles that you haven't seen before. Um, I don't know, did did uh did either of you have like a least favorite enemy? Or or even just like I'm the one that was really
2: fun to fight. Oh, yeah. it's 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 always going to be the splitting guys. Absolute <laughs> assholes. They suck. No, yeah. I I actually here's the thing. It's it's a it's a bit like Tony Stark again. Like they were endlessly frustrating and annoying, but I'm so glad they're in it because they actually really shook things up. Uh, yeah. And they because they are not like significant enemies. They are like they're not the weakest tier of enemies, but they're not really a big threat but they can just do so much terrible stuff to you. Them splitting is bad enough, but it's when they clone other enemies that Mm -hmm. they become really, really dangerous. And yeah, within a couple of rounds, you can just completely lose control of a mission with those guys. And I love these uh, minor enemies that can become like uh, match killers. Uh, It's my favorite genre of enemy the one that you don't expect yeah. to take you out. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, endlessly frustrating. I hope they all die, but I'm so glad that they were in the game.
1: For me, I'd say it's the demonic dogs that attach corruption to your character. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a similar, I mean, I think whatever it is about sort of uh, spreading abilities or spreading <laughs> enemies that multiply, like this is a mechanic that Firaxis has settled on. So corruption any friend friend or enemy near the character who's been corrupted will it'll spread to them and it'll spread further the next turn so you can use it to damage enemies but like you're thinking a little bit more about positioning i think the frenzy mechanic is also a a, a tough one that I, I struggle with at times um certain enemies and sort of like major villains like sabertooth yeah a, a, after you p- play a certain amount of cards usually two or three they'll just attack you like outside of you know the enemy phase so you were thinking then about like which card should I play first right? can I eliminate this character before they act on frenzy? So again I, I think it's prompting good decision making um, you know and, and it's something information' is pretty transparent and there to see so I think they did a good, did a good job. I'm really curious um, we can talk a little bit more about the future of this game and I know you haven't quite f- finished it yet Len but um you know we do know that some more characters are coming I'm very curious how they're gonna be integra- integrated and I'm particularly curious if we're gonna see like more enemies. Uh, more villains added and kind of what shape that'll take in the future midnight zones.
0: Yeah, there that's actually, you mentioned something that I wish that they made more use of, which is that on certain, just random non-story missions, you can basically have like one of Lilith's lieutenants show up as just like kind of a, like a, an Oh crap moment. Um, yeah. There's uh uh tooth is probably the scariest of them. Um, In terms of just like how much he can turn what seemed like what was going to be a pretty easy battle into a pretty difficult battle. Um, And I feel like just the way the game is paced. I definitely don't want to say it's too short because it's it's a pretty long game, Um, but I feel like the way it was paced that didn't have the opportunity to happen. Often enough, especially because some of those pieces get taken off the board for a while as the story goes on. Um, Um, so I wish there had been more opportunities to like run into those guys again, uh, sort of like you do the Chosen in uh the XCOM two expansion. Um, I felt like I I saw each of them maybe two or three times before we got to sort of the climactic final boss fight with them. Um, but yeah, one of them is Venom, which is a good segue into talking about the future of the game because they have already announced a season pass, uh, that's going to add four new characters. It's um, Morbius storm, Deadpool and venom, which kind of explains why you don't hear anything about venom again, <laughs> sort of after <laughs> his boss fight. Cause I guess presumably the plan was that eventually he's going to join you when the DLC comes out. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to think about cause it's, how they're going to integrate like these new characters? I actually counted. There's 22 bedrooms in the Abbey, so there's mm-hmm. a potential to add quite a few more than just the 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 12 we have now. Um, I don't know it's if it's going to be so
2: weird having having these newbies come in, these interlopers, yeah, uh, into my friend because this is like my friend group now. <laughs> like, how? Did Storm, fuck off back to the X Men. You know, I'm busy. <laughs> Storm is the one I feel like will fit in.
0: Like, Storm and Morbius, I can definitely see how they're going to fit in. I... I mean,
2: Morbius is going to be interesting because it, it, Blade's just right. really going to want to, like, stab him. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I um, think that's, that's what i set hoping up for. some more
2: tension, right?
1: Yeah, just, just that, like, look, they get approach in different ways because there's going to be people who want to start an entirely new campaign with just sort of the experience of encountering these four new characters organically. And that sounds fun in theory, but like, yeah, how do you, like, have they already recorded voice lines where Morbius is kind of referring to Blade and back and forth, right? Is it really that well knit together? That sounds quite challenging and ambitious, but this is quite a massive game already, Fraser. As you said, it's, I think, at a baseline, if you sprinted through most of it, you could maybe finish it in about 65 hours. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, what what I'm hoping is just that, like, these four characters aren't sort of like given a lesser treatment that, you know, I don't know how they're how they're going to make friendship with Venom work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or I, like I
2: joining a club. Is Venom going to be in the book club? <laughs> I hope so.
0: Well, and I'm like, is he going to be walking around the Abbey as Venom or is it going to be Eddie Brock? And then like Venom, like, yeah, you hear his voice in, you know, in in an echo or something like that.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it'll work it, a little because... bit like another character we can't talk about for fear of spoilers. <laughs> but I think they've already kind of got a system there for how it might work, which is maybe a bit disappointing. Um, yeah, because there is there is a, like a, a another character that you get that doesn't have that is playable, you know, in battle, but doesn't have friendship ranks or any of that other cool stuff. Um, and I I worry that. the the new characters will just be kind of, they'll exist. You can get new stuff for their decks. You can play them in combat missions, but they're not really going to be like a big part of the Abbey. Mm. And for me, that's the the best bit with these characters. Uh, I I
0: think that would be a big misstep if they added, added DLC characters and then didn't integrate them into hanging out at the Abbey. But yeah, there's like scenes like the, the, uh, the gray Seneschal, or whatever. Like how I like, I don't see how you could integrate new characters into that scene unless they're just yeah. like standing in the background and have one dialogue or something line or something like that. Um,
2: Maybe there's like a going to be a, a secret campaign they've not told yeah. us about. A <laughs> whole new campaign of, with these characters.
0: In terms of clubs, I mean, it seems like the easy way would just be to give them their own club because then you don't have to rewrite every you know, club scene to include yeah, that somehow. But, that's true. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll be really yeah. interested. I feel like it's also ripe for just like an expansion, like a full, like a story expansion.
2: At oh some yeah. Point. But, it would, yeah. I, I mean, they might go a sort of war of the chosen route where it is. It's the same story, but with more. Uh, you know, more fleshed out with new enemies and villains and factions and things like that, because uh, that's what they did with with XCOM 2 is it, like War of the Chosen was kind of that campaign again, but with a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope it's
1: not a spoiler to say there are, you know, this being a Marvel game, there are some post-credit scenes. Oh, that are short, but they definitely make strong reference to some continuation of this form. You know, whether it's an expansion or an entirely new game, or I think I I, I put a a few different theories on PC Gamer a couple weeks ago. So I I think there are a number of different directions they could go in that are all pretty promising. But yeah, I think like the rest of you, I'm just hoping that these characters aren't just sort of lesser, minor characters that you can just bring into combat. They don't really do much beyond that.
2: And I would love to see some, you know, Glenn, you mentioned this earlier, some more just villains, uh, not just making the villains show up more by having more of them because they were really good. And I think that Firaxis actually handled them really well. These aren't just bosses that you encounter and then defeat. They are enemies that will keep coming back. It feels like a comic book nemesis. Uh, And I think too many games just waste their baddies too quickly. And then you never see them again. So having these like repeat visits from these enemies that you get to you know they can be it can be very annoying when you're in a mission and suddenly Sabretooth comes and just murders you uh but that's what Sabretooth does you know yeah. he doesn't he's never down for long he's always going to come back and like try and murder uh wolverine so it felt very true to the comics but i, I like you said it, it just wasn't utilized quite as much as it maybe should have been uh and more villains would certainly help with that yeah There's also, oh, go ahead. Thanks, Len. Yeah. So
1: I think along similar lines, I think maybe one of the concepts I'm missing here in in Midnight Suns that I so enjoyed in XCOM is just a setback, right? There are some kind of narrative level, you know, major story arc setbacks that you experience that, you know, okay, we, you know, um, Doctor Strange's uh, lair, for example, that doesn't go well for him and he's very unhappy and you know you hear that in so many dialogue sequences but it's not like you're losing pieces of this meta board game that is a, you know the global map right you have to worry about asia or you have to worry about losing a resource or like a, a ticking time bomb in australia or so to speak right and f- for me i think look it doesn't thematically suit it as much but like you know there's all these kinds of interesting comic series where like you know the avengers tower gets blown up and you know that has certain like ramifications, and I think I was just hoping for that to extend into gameplay a little bit more, where you know I might lose a certain character for a time, for example, or you know just like the injury system that's in the game is not very interesting. You just immediately heal the person who's injured, and actually they get even stronger. Yeah, <laughs> a little unsatisfying. So
0: Scarlet Witch was basically Vegeta from DBZ in my playthrough because she was constantly <laughs> getting wounded, and then going to the the, the healing hot tub. And just getting stronger and stronger over and
1: over again. Yeah, yeah, magical hot tub indeed. It'd yeah. be
2: hard to strike the right balance, so I think so. In XCOM, I love that system. The the, the escalating threat, uh, actually, like mm-hmm. losing entire countries, uh, it really made the stakes feel tangible. I just think it would be so hard to do that in a game where I actually want to maybe spend a whole evening playing it, where I'm just doing general missions and chatting to people and hanging out, and maybe putting on some swimming trunks and lounging <laughs> by the pool. Like I, I like having that sort of calming pace, uh, even when it does feel a bit strange because the story-wise, it's the end of days and everything's going very Ryan. very wrong. Uh, but just not having to worry about that and just mucking around in the Abbey, I love that, and I would miss that if, like, suddenly you're like, okay, you can't see, uh, you can't see magic for four days. That would be bullshit. I would be furious. <laughs> um, so like, it would like, I definitely think there are ways that they could create this escalating threat and and create this feeling of of loss. Um, but it would just be, I think it would be much harder to do it in this than it is in XCOM.
0: Yeah, well, it's good. Like, you can't fail the campaign. That's, you know, that's a big difference from XCOM. And mm-hmm. they they say that things are getting worse, but you mostly only hear about this through, like, posts on basically superhero Twitter, which is <laughs> a whole tab in your interface. Um, I'm not sure if it's Twitter or Discord. It seems to sort of be like a hybrid between them or something um everybody's having group chats and and stuff on there and yeah i didn't feel like that was i felt like one thing that was really missing is like an idea that like the abbey is threatened even if there had been like okay Mm -hmm. we're in like blade literally has a moment where he 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 like looks at the camera and says we're in the end game now and if there had (laughs) been like i don't know some kind of like a Lilin tentacle Bashing against the magical barrier of the pocket dimension, like I felt like that was kind of missing, like the yeah. this idea that we're in we're really in peril now. Um, uh, that would have been cool. I'd love to see them do more stuff with um sort of these anti-hero characters. I think Johnny Blaze is a really interesting character. The way he's positioned in this campaign, or sometimes he's a friend, sometimes he's a foe. He has like you know, he has like main cast billing. He has like his own icon and everything, Um, but you never actually like get to control him in a combat mission. I could see that being something that they could do for maybe characters who don't fit in with the team, but it would be cool to maybe have a mission where, oh, you know, he has his own deck. I get to look at. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential to expand on this game, and I really hope that it gets, you know, years of, continued support because i'm i'm pretty close to the end and i don't feel done with it at all yet um
2: but it was uh, very hard to say goodbye like <laughs> i i i think i clocked in about 90 92 hours in total um and a lot of it was just i i really enjoyed the, the combat so i was doing a lot of uh general missions just for the hell of it Uh, But also because I wanted to spend as much time chatting to all these characters as possible. Like my goal was to become BFFs with all of the Midnight Suns characters, uh, which I did. And I think I was also BFFs with uh, Captain Marvel as well. She just slipped in there. Um, She was the first one I maxed out. Yeah. And she gets like one of the cool things is um, when you you max out uh, characters, you get to do a challenge with them which is like a fun sort of combat puzzle. And then you get their special uh, ultimate ability and uh, their, their Midnight Sun's outfit, most of which are crap, um, yeah. apart from Captain Marvel's, which sets her hair on fire. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, I didn't like, I think there's loads of great customization overall. We haven't really talked about it, but there's, there's a whole bunch. You can make your dream superhero uh, costume using the stuff you get uh, for Hunter. And then you get a bunch of outfits for different characters as well. And most of them are pretty good. Um, and then there's a lot of different colors to, to pick from as well. So it really does fulfill that fantasy of sort of designing your own superhero. Uh, but some of them uh, were a little bit too conservative. And certainly the, <laughs> the custom ones they made, uh, the Midnight Suns armor, it, it's just, it's very plain for, I'd say, about 90% of the characters.
0: I I felt like Spider-Man got such short shrift in this game because, for one thing, his Midnight Suns outfit is my least favorite. It's deeply ugly. (laughs) They made like a golden metal faceplate with the spider webs carved into it, uh, which I just don't think was the way to go. And also his default suit just isn't. I like a lot of the default costumes. I kept Mm -hmm. a lot of the default costumes through the whole game because I'm like, yeah, I have a million different options but this is the iconic look for this character and that's what i want but especially compared to like the insomniac spider-man where like that suit just looks so cool i felt like the default spidey suit in this game just it's not very good <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not a very good rendition of that honestly.
1: yeah i mean considering him him in particular like the symbiote suit the history of that has within yeah. the comics um you could tell that they were pretty limited in scope in terms of the amount of art budget they had apart from the hunter who has like a 100 different cosmetics yeah. and headpieces and stuff that you can interchange it's really just palette swapping and for the most part it's not doesn't rise at the level of like you know fortnite skins that are like very unique and dynamic and have custom animations of course and stuff like that but you know it definitely checks the box probably more than any superhero game i've played of you know heroes have costumes and they have a history of different costumes and like you mm-hmm. can represent that. In that, in this, on you know, unlockable system through currency and stuff like that. Yeah, I think in general, you know, as we are maybe coming closer to a conclusion on this game, I think it's absolutely the best superhero game I've played. Uh, DC Universe Online is the only one that kind of comes close to really encompassing that world and that universe. I think again, you know, the Avengers game um, <laughs> from a few years ago just continues to get beat up on, and it it just <laughs> continues to pale. Uh, with the re- release of Midnight Suns, and I think it just particularly shows the developers' passion for these characters and really uniting them. And I think in the Saturday morning cartoonness and the wholesomeness that is represented here, you see the kind of you see the developers like getting to be kids again, frankly, which I think yeah. is really special. And like their their fantasies and their you know love and affection for these characters and their idiosyncrasies being laid out on the
2: screen.
0: Fraser, what are your final thoughts on Midnight Suns?
2: It's the best game I played this year. Uh, it really is. It's just. It's so good. It is for me. It is the perfect game. Uh, it's you know systems heavy. Uh, it's uh, both a role an RPG and a strategy game and a social game. It's it's it captures some of my favorite stuff like Fire Emblem, Persona, uh, but also still feels like philosophically not too far away from XCOM. Like you can see how you get from XCOM and like particularly like Chimera Squad, to this. Uh, so it still feels like a kind of a, a classic Firaxis game, even though they're doing so many things differently. Uh, I, I was very, very sad to be done with it. I'm probably going to dabble in some new Game Plus stuff, because uh, I just love that combat system so much. Uh, and also, I just want to make everyone my BFF, uh, finally. <laughs> Uh, I think you could probably do that in one playthrough if you were really dedicated uh, and maybe had read all the guides on what presents to give people. Uh, Because there's (laughs) a whole gift-giving thing that we didn't really talk about. It's very strange.
0: I'm sure you could delay the ending as long as you want. You can. You you get friendship XP just for bringing someone on a mission. You do. If you you want to spend 150 hours just doing side missions to get everyone to level five friendship. Yeah, that sure is a you
2: do that. that is a good way to spend some time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I haven't really uh, been this into a game since uh, Disco Elysium. Uh, and I think at the time I I, I said with Disco Elysium I I was like I don't think any game will ever sort of hit me uh, as much and sort of and grip me as much as Disco Elysium did. And obviously Midnight Suns is a completely different kind of game in every way, shape, and form. Uh, but I find it just as compelling uh, and. Yeah, absolutely thrilled that there's going to be some more characters even if they're not as as fully fleshed out as the existing heroes uh, but yeah really i'm waiting for a proper expansion with a new campaign or a sequel i just want more of this uh, so i really hope frax is going to keep churning out the marvel stuff
1: yeah. yeah as you said they've stumbled on the right formula you know they've got a package that has pacing you know the combat I mean some of the combats can you can be in a mission for an hour if like you're you're really kind of running into trouble and hitting a lot of attrition, right? It felt like that for me on a couple occasions, but I think beyond that the presentation in general I mean I don't want to compare it too closely to the Avengers movies, but I thought the cutscenes were quite effective, well directed, you know, oh, cinematic yeah. certainly, and and the score does a ton of work to really kind of unite the feeling of those movies. You feel like, you know, you are kind of in some kind of spinoff or continuation of that universe, which I think is a huge success because that's a massive bar in terms of quality and presentation to, to pull off.
0: The the score definitely has a, like an MCU vibe to it for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I also loved it. I think it's a pretty easy consensus on this one, <laughs> this is one of the best games, one of the best strategy games and and even one of the best overall games that came out this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's like whole systems we just glossed over, like, it, you know, the exploring the spooky woods to like find journal entries to put together hunters past. That's like a whole other thing that I ended up like enjoying on its own terms. It's like a good break from the combat Um, and it's more active. You're not just like sitting there going through dialogue trees. Um Yeah, it's it's really well done. Um, I hope we get a lot more of it. Uh before we get out of here, uh did either of you have anything on uh PC Gamer lately that you think the three moves ahead audience would would be interested in uh, checking out?
2: Everything we write. <laughs> it's all good. It's Go all down good. It's on the
0: homepage, yeah. Just, we do yeah. have a,
2: we have like because we're all yeah. we're all kind of heading off for the holidays now, but we do have across the holidays a whole mess of features uh from the team and from our lovely freelancers. So there's Absolutely, loads to uh, to read while we recover from another harrowing year on this planet.
1: (laughs) That's the spirit. I have to give a a shout out to another strategy game as well that I brought up earlier, Into the Breach. You haven't played the Advanced Edition that came out for free in July. It's it's one of those amazing expansions that kind of we've been hoping for with Midnight Suns. Added a bunch of new enemies, a bunch of new pilots and stuff like that. Just completely reinvigorated. You know, our favorite game of 2018. So if you haven't checked that out yet, I think it's a great excuse to revisit one of the best turn-based games of the last decade.
2: Excellent. You should also probably note that our strategy game of the year was revealed a couple of days ago. It's at Total War Warhammer 3. And if you want to shout at me about that, I'm not on Twitter anymore. So (laughs) you're out of luck. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: Well, you're welcome to go shout about it uh, into the void on the uh, forums. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, you can find our forums over there at uh, idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. Um, Fraser probably won't read it, but, you know, if you just need <laughs> I board, definitely won't. It's there. Uh, yeah, uh, this episode was produced by me um, or will be produced by me. Um, uh, what's the other stuff I have to say at the end of the show? I'm sort of, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having that like senioritis moment of like, okay, this Patreon, is This Patreon this is nonsense l- you've got to mention, right? The last right? thing I have to do for the rest of the year. So yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. We're supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash 3MA. Get access to bonus episodes, get access to our multiplayer games. We're doing Dwarf Fortress in succession mode right now. Uh, where it's like a pass-along fortress where everybody plays one year. Um, Fun stuff. Uh, And uh, we are on Twitter, at least for now, uh, where we are at 3MA. Um, That's going to do it for this week. But uh, for Fraser and for, for Evan, this is Len saying goodnight.